Hi, Sarah. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm pretty good. good. I mean, it's kind of a weird, kind of weird world that we're in right now. But. It is a weird world. So, what I wanted to talk to you about is uh, there was a thing that we've been talking about the last couple of days about just kind of like I was writing that piece yesterday that I'm still amidst writing mm-hmm. that was about like um, how we've all been infected by coronavirus. Yeah. And just like the conversation that we were having about all of the intensity of just attention getting pulled in all these directions and inability to focus and mm-hmm. um anyway i just wanted to talk about that with you because yeah. i think that i have a, a lot of questions and thoughts on that yeah well it's weird right yeah it's just kind of scary everything that's going on and I wouldn't usually think of myself as someone who has a hard time focusing or paying close attention to the things that I need to pay attention to, uh, or even somebody who struggles a lot with social media. But for the past couple weeks, it's been really tough. Like I haven't been able to, I don't think I've read a book and anybody who knows me knows that's like a big deal. And you know, there's all these lists everywhere of things to do when you're at home (laughs) It's like reading and things that normally I love, and I just haven't been able to. to well, it's focus interesting on it. that you mentioned that because I think some time ago I started to realize that my ability to read is directly proportionate to like having a healthy relationship with social media, which for mm-hmm. me is almost none. It's kind of yeah, like dip my toe me. in, yeah. but. Um, but yeah, I mean, I know that for the last, I mean, I had been very off of it uh, and then got way on it because of everything that we were trying to do in um, helping people get informed about the local election with yeah. the Tri-Cities Daily and Tumbleweird efforts. And that pulled me really deep in and getting back off of that was so refreshing. And um, But then all of this has just pulled me right back into it. Yeah. Um, and well, it, I haven't even gotten on social media that much, but I've been on Slack like constantly just for work. And it's not even that there's a ton going on in there that's new. It's like I just find myself compulsively checking, even though I have notifications on, so my phone would tell me if there was something new. But I'm just like looking and making sure I haven't missed anything. And When you were weird. talking this morning about like that, almost being like an instinctual like yeah i mean i think it is i think it's like we're looking around us for where the threats might be wherever and we're looking at the same time we're looking for um protection which you know there's strength in numbers and we're looking for protection and information so we you know i think it's just instinctual i know so it's really hyper vigilance yes that is a great word anxiety from it's interesting to think of social media usage as hyper vigilance right now rather than being driven by the other things that uh might have driven it in other circumstances in the past people's need for um, you know, love and connection and to feel valued and right. And there's that too, though. Right. There's still that, right? It's like, well, yeah. Cause that's the other piece <laughs> is that feeling of like, Oh, you know, really wanting to 
be useful to mm-hmm. people right now is what's pulled me into it. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting seeing all the things that, that people are doing to try to try to help in a small way. And the only way that you can really know what to do is by listening to everyone around you and kind of picking up on those signals. But yeah, I've been trying to resist the urge to just impulsively be like, this, this is what we need to be doing now, even though I've I've done that too. Like I've um, made things that I felt would help people. But you but didn't I, do that impulsively. I mean, I watched right. you up close <laughs> in wrestling with all of that, yeah. and it really came. So you're talking about, I mean, talk about the thing that you just that you just finished making. Yeah. Well, I had, um, we were having a discussion in Slack and yet of just how we can be helpful gardeners. Um, because, I, I like to think about leadership as, as being a gardener rather than being a person whose, um, ability to, uh, foresee the future and correctly guess what's going to happen is like the reason that things succeed or fail. I don't really think that that's true. And I think it's a lot healthier to look at ourselves as people who are doing our best to help the plants grow that we have responsibility for or that we've been entrusted with or that are just in our orbit that we have any power at all to, to help. And, um, and I think that that's really relevant right now. And so we started talking about what we could do and yet, because, you know, we don't really know how it's going to impact us. We are still waiting to see, like, are our clients going to invest more in creative technology? Um, because they see the opportunity and the need to get things online and to, um, do that in a way that, um, is really mindful of what people need right now, or are they going to pull back and take things in house and not work with third party agencies? Yeah, um, I mean, if you got to lay people off, the easiest thing the to first cut people, as an organization is external contracts. Yeah, so, I mean, most definitely. That's, yeah. yeah. So we we don't really know though. It hasn't impacted us yet, but we just we don't know. And um, but in all of that. The thing that we can do is listen and respond, however, um, in whatever way makes sense. And so, um, uh, Diana was saying, you know, well, I think that what people might need right now, instead of solutions to things, because you know, none of us have any. I mean, we have our creativity, right. we have, we have our thoughtfulness, we have our ability to listen, but we don't know. Nobody knows. There's yeah. no, there's no strategy around this, um, right now. Um, but she was saying that, um, what would be helpful is something that's more meditative that gives people that, that space. And as I was thinking about it, I mean, I really enjoy apps like Headspace. I love listening and, and just getting taken into that place of um, paying attention to my breath and paying attention to the sounds around me. Um, but right now, that's really difficult for me. And it also feels very um, more passive than I want to be. I know it's important, 
but I know that there's something else. Like I, I was wishing for something that would give me the space to think and the space to work through the things that are going on in my head. And so I, um, I thought, oh man, because there was this other thing that I uh, used a couple months ago. It was the, the Nike Run Plus <laughs> app or something like this. Like I, I hate running, but I got into running for some reason, like for two days. <laughs> and it's because of this app, it was like, we're gonna take you on a guided run. And the guy on that app was just like super upbeat. I loved like, he was like, you need to be running at a pace to where you can run the entire time. Like this isn't a walk run thing. Like everybody, every single person has a pace where they can run the whole time. And that may be slower than walking for you, (laughs) but you have a pace. And that like that insight was just like, oh my gosh, like I can be a runner right now, even though I have the worst lung capacity of anybody that I know. And I always have like ever since I was a kid always the last to run the mile. But anyway, this guy was so encouraging and he would just be like, okay, we're gonna run and you're gonna run at what we call a recovery pace. Most of your running all the time should be a recovery pace. And I'm gonna check back in with you in a couple minutes. And so it was just silence. And then a couple minutes later, he'd be like, okay, uh, I'm back. How are you doing? Are you still running? Um, you're doing great. Like most people don't know this about running, but you do. And (laughs) because of this, you're just going to get better and better every day. And, um, anyway, it was super encouraging. And I thought about for me, one of the things that really helps me think is writing. And I've, you know, for years, um, Julia Cameron's the artist way, her thing about free writing three pages every morning. I'm super into that. Um, I love like I have a notebook where all day, like whenever I get stuck or I I get done with something, I'm just like free writing about what to do next. And my writing will literally be like, I don't know what to do right now. I just finished doing this thing. What is the best use of my time? And just like, Mm -hmm. it's the most boring (laughs) writing in the world. But um, I was thinking about just sort of combining all of those things into a guided journaling um, exercise that would help people get the the mental space that they need to to think creatively, to make um, courageous decisions. And um, since I'd written a, a book uh, five years ago, and I'm working on another edition of it, but um, or another version. Sorry, the first version was for creators. It was called Gather the People the version I'm working on now is for... What's the subtitle of that? It's a good description of the book and capsule. <laughs> it's had several. Let's see if I can remember it. It's a human approach to marketing for people who would rather make what they love than persuade people to buy it. Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, but the the next version is is for companies. Um, but anyway, because that was called Gather the People, I, I thought um, what we need right now is courage. And so... Yeah, I, I created a guided journaling uh, exercise and put it on gathertheCourage.com. And uh, I've already done it myself a couple times, and it's been really helpful. So, And you're planning yeah. on, that's a series that you're planning on adding more mm-hmm. to? Yeah, well, the first one is on spaciousness, um, because I think for me, during um, times when I get really stressed and um, feeling like things are pushing at me from every direction. Um, my the thing that I know that I need is a, a feeling of of freedom 
that like I actually have the space and the time to do what I need to do. And so, um, so yeah, I think the next one I want to do around uh, flexibility, like mental flexibility, because for me, I often get into like, like rigid, like, and yet it's like, we're doing this. We have this vision. This is our plan for this quarter. We've got these objectives and I'm just super like one of my strengths is focus usually. Um, but that means that I have a harder time with flexibility. And I think right now people, me, I need to be more flexible in my thinking to be able to respond effectively. Well, and you're actually very good at that when you step back from things. Right. I mean, that's really where even what you created with Gather the Courage, you know, I mean, I had I had the privilege of getting to watch the entire cycle of that emerging and how <laughs> really it started with just the immense pain and fear that you could feel on behalf of so many people who are in terror and pain and just um, so upset and whose lives are going to be desperately impacted and already are impacted by what's happening Mm -hmm. Um, and just how just scary and uh, uncomfortable and unknown uh, all of that is. And, um, And the thing that I thought was so interesting to me, which is to me one of the things that I always have admired about uh, your approach to things is that you you found your way forward by focusing on what's absolutely true for you that mm-hmm. uh, you know that you really allowed for the fullness of the weight of everything that's going on to hit you uh, incredibly hard um, to where it truly brought you to your knees and uh, and then out of that, and really because you'd gone that far deep, you kept going and found the solid ground that is who you are and what you have to give. Um, and and you created something that was uh, not on your roadmap, not not in your plan, uh, not at all related to anything else that you were doing. Right. Um, and uh, that I think it really does have the potential to be very um, impactful and useful to people. It, it already has been for me because, uh, you know, I think you really hit the nail on the head as far as what that, <clears throat> what that need for spaciousness is. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, that in and, of, in and of itself, for me, um, it's so easy right now to be in a mode that is entirely driven by uh, the interruptions of urgency, uh, the um, broadcasts of agony, the you know litany of um, things that we need to be prepared for and anticipating and ready for, both as individuals and also as a community, which is something that I always get pulled into. Right. I was uh, going to say, I mean, you've been right in the thick of the community while all this is going on. I've been kind of pulling back from that direction, but you've just jumped right in. And, um, yeah, it's been kind of amazing to see that, but you're kind of in emergency response mode. Yeah. I mean, and it, it is, uh, you know, it, it is my default a lot of times. And I think I get this from, uh, you know, my, my mom, my, um, 
my grandpa, my grandma, um, my dad, uh, you know, folks who, you know, when they see a group of people experiencing challenge, you know, their uh, response is to figure out what they can do and, um, you know, what they can do for um, whether it's an individual or whether it's, uh, you know, as many people as possible. And I feel very lucky that through a series of uh, um, very uh, uh, unexpected, uh, you know, and um, surprising twists and turns to have uh, been able to be in a position of influence in our local community um, and to be able to connect people to uh, each other in collaboration. And um, so when uh, my friend John Roach reached out to me about uh, everything that's uh, that, that's going on right now. He's he, the first he, person I heard the phrase social distancing from. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> and he reached out, started talking to me about that. I mean, now two and a half weeks ago. I oh, think. I know. It seems like forever It seems ago. like a whole world ago. <laughs> Like, um, might have even been three weeks ago now. I can't remember what day is today. Yeah. I mean, it was the first week of, it was the first week of, of, uh, of March. Wow. Um, and yeah. And, and I wasn't, I didn't take any of this particularly seriously. I mean, my first response to him when he asked me, you know, what my thoughts on this whole coronavirus thing are, I said, well, I've only had it, or he said, what, what my thoughts on coronavirus are. And I said, well, I've only had it for a couple of days now, so I, I probably got to have it a little longer to form an opinion. <laughs> um, and he took me totally seriously. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Poor John. But, uh, the, right, because uh, he was already taking it seriously very taking before it seriously. Yeah. anybody else was. Yeah, and uh, the... Uh, but that, that whole group of just... Um, that John's uh, gotten spun up, and I've been able to help with... Um, um, it's definitely taken, you know, the whole of my brain in terms of attention and focus, uh, that wasn't already, um, you know, additionally being, uh, <laughs> I would say that took the whole of my brain. And then I also had, uh, things that I'm trying to work on with regard to local journalism, which is very connected to that in um, oh, yeah. both Tri-Cities Daily and our local independent, um, paper, uh, that Sarah and I own. Uh, called Tumbleweird, um, uh, and Tri-Cities Daily is kind of a, uh, it's a really a newsletter and a website that uh, kind of aggregates all of the stuff that's happening locally. It's, it's a hand aggregated, it's not algorithmically ag- aggregated, but it's across social media and, um, uh, and all uh, traditional media just kind of brought together to tell people what's going on in our community because there is no uniting single media source that's covering everything uh, anymore um, just because of the state of um, journalism. And yeah, so I mean, those things then took, uh, you know, <laughs> all of my brain and then, you know, being uh, supportive and thoughtful on the um, several different uh, business fronts, you know, those took all, all of my brain and then same with friends and their needs and I just, you know, I, I feel like my brain has operated at uh, like 300% capacity for the last few weeks, and I have a hard time stepping away from all of that, which is really why I wanted to have this conversation, because 
um, you know, I feel like what you created and what you brought is exactly what I needed. I mean, when you first were talking to me about it, I was like, yeah, that's, that's what I need. And it's yeah. the combination of, <clears throat> it's a combination of the courage to face a lot of the challenges as well as, uh, the courage to stop, right? The courage to stop. Uh, trying to respond as fast as possible to everything that's happening, right? And the cur- and the courage to stop needing to be connected to everything, and to take a moment and figure out what those priorities really are, right? And where you know I can actually be most useful. Yeah. Um, well, I, I mean, I think that now we can have. Our illusion of control is eroding week by week, right? It's like at first we were talking about, oh man, this is how we can respond. This is how we can help our friends who own local coffee shops and local bookstores. This is how we can help them and, um, and kind of going into action mode. But then as the weeks go by, it's like, oh wait, um, yes, it is impacting these people immediately and we need to help them. But looking at the global economy and everything else, it's like we're just at the beginning of something and um, all of us are going to be impacted economically from this. Yeah, certainly at this point, right? Right. There's no, uh, it doesn't seem like there is a clear end to uh, you know, given the commitment that there is to right. reducing, um, you know, to flattening the curve, right? Uh, there's no, there's no likelihood that we'll walk back from that and say, no, we're not going to flatten the curve now. Right. Uh, we, you know, in our state, took some of the first, uh, you know, the governor took some of the first actions uh, in in the country to try and reduce that. Um, but now that's across, you know, a lot of the country, and then, uh, you know, and at the at the national level too. Right. Um, and those are kind of all described as near term things, but at the point that we've made those choices over the near term, as we see what the number of people who truly are infected after a few weeks, um, uh, it's going, there's going to be a lot more political support for, um, those initiatives than there were when they did them the first time, when they enacted them the first time. Right. Uh, and, I see it being really hard for us to walk back from that. And and honestly, I mean, I agree that that's, that's what we need to do. But boy, it is definitely, um, you know, it's hard not to, you know, as you start zooming out and as you start thinking of the cascading series of dominoes, you go, wow, this is not a small number of ripples. Right. And I, I think that there's actually... <clears throat> Some um, man, I can't remember the name of that book that I was reading. It was a very Buddhist perspective, but it talked about how um, find how we can find the seed of goodness in anything. And I've talked about that a bunch of times. Just like, oh well, the seed of goodness is is this, and um, the seed of goodness in our illusion of control is that we know we are less incentivized to do things that are. Um, not true to who we are because, you know, whatever we do, we don't know the impact that it's going to have. So we might as well um, 
from a, a deep soul level respond with who we are as people rather than, you know, um, there's uh, this fantastic book, uh, David White, um, it talks about um, the preservation of the soul in corporate America. And heart Aroused. That, the, yeah, yeah, that was the, the, the title, subtitle, yeah. but yeah, yeah, The Heart Aroused is the title. Um, and he talks about um, the difference between the soul and the personality. And um, and I think that a lot of times our response to things is from the personality. It's like trying to get our ego needs met, trying to get our fear needs met, um, um, trying to keep the status quo. But, you know, once all of that stuff is gone, like we realize that our control, we didn't have as much control as we thought then um, what is underneath that is the, who we really are as people. And um, the soul doesn't care about our personalities and they don't care about, you know, um, trying to appear a certain way to others or trying to get the upper hand or trying to um, self-preserve. Uh, um, the soul is much more interested in... Um, what it means to be human and the feeling of aliveness and connection. And, um, so to me, there is some goodness in us not being able to hold up that idea that we can control all of this. Cause we really, we really can't. Well, and we've talked about the, I mean, this is a very rambling conversation to go in this direction, but I, cause I do have another one that I, I was the main reason why I wanted to talk about this but you know we've also talked about like what the greater impacts on society will be in the wake of this from a cultural perspective and from an empathy perspective and compassion and that it will be a lot harder in the future for you know given the way that this is going to uh you know impact so many people it'll be a lot harder for people to to not empathize with those who are going through uh tremendous challenges uh, that have you know, created significant upheaval in their individual lives from a financial perspective or, um, you know, from a job perspective or, you know, anything like that, because we're all going to know people firsthand that went through that where we're like, that wasn't quote unquote fair what happened to them. Well, the reality is it's not fair that it happens to anyone all the time. And, um, uh, you know, we, I think we'll have a greater sense of, um, commonality. My hope is that we have a greater sense of commonality and, um, and a shared purpose for having a compassionate outlook on those who have significant needs in all circumstances. I keep right. thinking about something that we've talked about before, um, you know, which really is about, uh, it's really about business, but, um, I think applies uh, across the board, um, from an empathy perspective. But, you know, when, when, um, I've been stressed about, uh, different things from a, business perspective um you know the thing that um that you said to me some time ago and i just keep thinking about it now is like you know if you're in the middle of a recession and your business fails everybody is like well you couldn't have controlled that like right. there were circumstances no well beyond you know your control that wasn't your fault and people yeah. you know everybody will say that and they can look around and see the evidence left and right but the reality is that in all circumstances 
Um, We have very little control and there are a lot of things that happen to both businesses and to individuals uh, that affect them deeply and that they do not bear the full, uh, you know, they they don't have the, there's no reason to shame them for that. And there's no um, reason to, you know, point a finger at them and, you know, say that's your fault or, or for them to be made to to feel that way by others. Um, And, you know, but the thing that you'd said is that it's like, you know, in a recession, everybody is saying, well, you know, hey, it's not your fault. But in yeah. in other cases, it's a lot more isolated and a lot more lonely. And it feels like, it you know, the embarrassment of that failure and everything is, um, you know, a lot more personal and not this kind of group experience. And, right. um, you know, so that's that seeing that and then flipping it around and going, wow the level of we're really in all this to in this all together is right. so much broader than you know pretty much than anybody i mean i read something the other day of just you know any no one alive has experienced anything like this from an economic perspective not right. even the great depression because that was a slowly unfolding thing and also there there was not the level the existing level of i mean uh um wealth and health and access, uh, you know, that even as we can look at the inequality today being higher than it ever has been, um, that the social circumstances today for um, even people who are on the um, base level are still better than they were, uh, you know, in the early 1900s, that the overall, um, you know, the, the the floor of poverty has been raised uh, globally and nationally. Um, you know, inequality is still a very real thing and uh, still a very unjust thing. Right. But the contrast of of that is uh, as a result of that is much higher than um, you know than it than it was in that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it will be very interesting to see what you know, what comes of that. But that that's tangential. Well, I was I was. <laughs> I've been thinking a lot about, you know, social media and the people who are using their voice and all of that. And um, the thing that I wonder about is how to reach and understand the needs of people who aren't on social media. Not necessarily they don't have a Facebook account, but that they, because I'm sure that most people do, but that they're not feeling the the need it's not in their personality to broadcast their need or um i think that's most people yeah most people are not on social media saying oh this terrible thing is happening to me and my family and really if a terrible thing is happening they're likely to not be connected to anybody they're likely to not be talking about it to anyone and I was really thinking about it yesterday um, or Thursday um, during my counseling session because my counselor was saying that um, the needs from a social services perspective are going to be so great and um, probably not visible to anyone. And so how, how do we even um, really see those things that are happening. I mean, because online we talk about it happening, but we we can't see it, we can't feel it. We don't know how to reach those people, and I don't I don't know the answer. 
I feel like the only way is through, you know, groups, organizations who are already focused on and connected to those populations. That's part of the reason why the group that, um, that John started, uh, you know, one of the first things that, um, the group of us in that uh, group did was reach out to, um, uh, the nonprofits and organizations that serve vulnerable popul- populations here yeah. uh, in order to try and identify what those needs are, both right. for those organizations themselves to continue to sustain their work, given the need will likely increase, and also what the individual needs of those people are. Right. So I think the only way that those things get met or done is um, it's not going to be a state policy or a national policy. It's not going to be... Um, the only way is individual people helping individual people and right. using the experts in our own communities who are connected to, um, you know, to those groups, using people who are leaders within those groups. But even then, it's still going to be hard because there's, you know, those people, every single person that I've ever talked to in one of those organizations, um, you know, my uh both of my parents are, uh, my mom's the medical director and my dad is um, the uh, um, CEO of our local free clinic. And they serve, you know, every year they serve more and more and more patients. But, um, you know, the, the thing that uh, I remember my dad saying in looking at what the need is, he was like, there's still a much greater need than we have the capacity to meet. And right. I, that is the case for every single group that I've ever talked to from my friend who runs boys, the Boys and Girls Club, um, you know, to uh, the folks who uh, Lupe at communities and schools. I mean, every single one of those groups has they can see how big the need that they're focused on is and how um, inadequately staffed, resourced, um, you know, able to meet that full need that they are and now that need is going to be greater than it ever was so i mean to that extent it's uh it's daunting um there's there's absolutely no doubt right i mean and hence the need for people who um are connected to those organizations and who are investing themselves so fully in all of that to have the mental space to be able to continue to think creatively and not let those things just be so daunting. Well, and thank you for bringing it back to that because that is the purpose that I really wanted to focus on. So I wanted to talk about like, really, I'm still I'm still in the middle of trying to figure this out, and I figured it might be great to just have this conversation and record it. Um, but I'm trying to figure out like. What are the things that I can do and put in place in order to ensure that I'm doing a good job of keeping my own head in a good place to, to be able to uh, do the things that I need to do right. um, and uh, to say no to the things that I need to in order to preserve uh, you know, myself or my own ability to be in a good place so that I can uh, serve and support the people that, you know, that do need that. Yeah. Um, and you know the one of the things that um, you know that I know that I really need is uh, you know I need it, it, well one of the things I've been thinking about is like for me 
you know, you have this double-edged sword of the internet of, um, to me, uh, you know, the internet is how almost all of the good things that I've participated in have gotten done. Yeah. Um, you know, over the last 12, 15 years. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, then you take that and you go, well, and at the same time, almost all of the things that have caused me, uh, you know, real, um, uh, you know, been very costly to me from a mental mental health perspective, yeah. um, have in many cases been directly connected to the Internet, whether that's, you know, right. my own uh, propensity to uh, become easily addicted to social media and to get, you know, completely to where it's, uh, it's, it's taken over my whole brain. And then the secondary effects of being in that, right. Where, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the way I described it, I don't know now, probably almost eight years ago when I first took a, um, a hiatus from being on Twitter is I realized that Twitter was for me, um, outsourced schizophrenia that I, I just had all these voices in my head that were driving me um, and driving my emotions, driving my thoughts and my feelings and yeah. um, my priorities and my attention. And that when I shut all that off, I got so much more clarity and so much more of an ability to choose my own priorities and to do the things that I wanted to do. And since that time, I've been very skeptical and had a hard time uh with any time that I was on it. Right. Um, but now we're in an era where absolutely we, we would be, I mean, can you even think about what we're doing right now? I mean, you, you said this the other day, like, could you even think about what we're doing right now if we didn't have the internet? Right. I know it, it's, it's a, it's a privilege and it's also, um, it's difficult to manage ourselves within it for sure. I mean, we, we just, last month, two months ago, read um, James Williams' Stand Out of Our Light, and he talks about um, how the incentivization on the internet is to capture attention, um, but what do we pay when we pay attention? We pay with the people that we are becoming and that we might become. Right, the lives we could have led. The lives we could have led, right. Because we pay our attention at the cost of our intention. What we want to do is being diverted in um, to places that are other people's priority, other people's concern, other people's attempts to, um, to gain, um, whether it's prestige or monetization or, um, or whatever it is. Um, or even things that are really good, like um, community building. Yeah. But it, you know, another person's priority for that, and it, and it isn't necessarily your priority. And so, I, I think that in order to use the internet well, which is arguably, this is the world we have right now. We have a very limited, you know, the walls of our home, <laughs> and our extension into the world is online. Um, we actually have to get much clearer and be more grounded and rooted in ourselves and what our intentions are so that we can step out into the world and, um, and use it to become the people that we want to be. Uh, one of, um, her coworkers at Andyette, um, 
Jessica, she was writing a, a piece and one of the questions in that that I thought was just so wonderful was who do you want to be when this is over? Um, and that, you know, I've been reaching out to people that I know and, um, just asking them, you know, how are you doing? How, how are you doing? Um, and one of the responses, um, from, uh, a friend of mine, he said, I am really trying to keep things in perspective. I'm trying to make decisions based on two things. One is, um, what would I be doing if I lost all of my clients and all of my customers right now? What would I do anyway? And the other thing is, what would I do if I had all of the means in the world and I could do anything? Like whatever the thing is that would apply to both of those scenarios, that's the direction that he's going. Mm. And I just, I think it's really important that we connect with who we want to be both now and, um, and in the future and to align the things that we do online and in the world with that rather than being reactive. And that takes making space for ourselves to think about that purposefully. Well, and that's really, I mean, that entire, uh, thought that he expressed is really where you started. It's mm-hmm. expressed in a different way, but it's really where you started in how you arrived at the uh, gather the courage project right because it was you just going i know what i want to do i know right. what i really need to do is i want to make something for people that helps them amidst this right. but like i don't know how that connects to anything that are my priorities that i've already said i'm gonna do from a business perspective right. or anything like that and so um you know you ultimately said well this is what i i it doesn't matter what it is this is what i need to do and ultimately right. uh you know it it will work itself out right yeah um, and even if it's that if it's a small thing um it's like i had two impulses one was just to listen to people and not necessarily to listen online I feel like people try to get their needs met a lot of times through saying things online and um, getting that feedback, but to actually listen to another person's story of where they're at, like as an individual, I know that I can do that and I can do that. Um, and I, I want to do that both, um, for, to validate people and where they're at. And so that I understand where the needs are and, um, how, how I can possibly respond to that. Um, yeah. The one thing that you were talking about earlier, sorry, was there something else you wrote? No, okay. The, the one thing that you were talking about earlier with, um, James Williams, it's interesting that like a week ago we were talking about this and it was like, Oh, we were kind of organizing a number of efforts that were around that sort of thinking of yeah. just how important it was for businesses in particular to work to align themselves more with their customers' intentions rather than trying to um, fight every other business to get... And fight their customers. Yeah, and fight their customers their against... Own attention. Yeah, for their own attention, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, and a week ago, we kind of were like, boy, that feels totally like this thing yeah. that doesn't even exist. But it's strange how actually as we've continued to process it and talk about it, that especially because both the 
anxiety of the world is driving attention from a hypervigilance perspective. Right. And then also there are so many people who are desperately trying to capitalize on that attention. Right. Um, there is actually a greater need to think really deeply about uh, the attention economy and how it affects us. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I think when we were talking about this like a week ago, it was like, oh boy, that's just a whole world away. Like we're yeah. probably not even going to like revisit that conversation. It's totally meaningless. But then here right. we are, um, you know, another week later and it's like, no, actually <laughs> a lot of relevance right uh, to that right Um, i think it's i think it's still relevant but it's definitely shifted and yeah i think it's going to take some time and space and just well but what it even means is different now right totally because the, the, the same the same things that were driving attention uh a month ago are not the things that are driving attention right now. Right. And I mean, that's one of the biggest things that I'm thinking about right now is that we had, we were, we were creating this experience around that. Right. And, um, with different voices and, um, people's perspectives on what, what that means. And now it means something totally right, different. Right. It does. And it does. That, like that, what we, where we were going with that is, is not, uh, the I think the high stakes <laughs> um, and uh, like profoundness uh, mm-hmm. of what is really the case be, with you know with uh, the direction of people's attention right right now that mm-hmm. you know the cost especially for um, people who want to make a difference is extremely high right um, and uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, so the thing that I was saying earlier, I remembered, I was saying that I, w- I w- my instincts were two things and one of them was to listen and the other one, um, the other one is to help people to, to get that, that spaciousness, that, um, the mental clarity around all of these things. And, you know, I, and to slow down. It's like even this conversation, I'm feeling like, oh my gosh, like so our um our growth team lead was out last week and um and yet, yeah. yeah, at and yet, yeah. And um and I was it gave me a little bit of breathing room to be able to not not have to think so hard about okay well what is our direction of growth (laughs) you know need to look like now but you know monday we're gonna start to have that conversation and um but i i don't know i i think sensitivity to where people are at right now talking about the intention economy is right. super difficult. It's like economy, what economy, yeah, what yeah, is yeah. this economy? We don't know what it is. This right. might that's be calling thing. it is something it, totally different. Yeah. That's what I mean is that it's like, it's, uh, it's shifted from being this very like kind of, I don't know, like a higher, like on the Maslow's hierarchy of need, like yeah. really in, it was kind of in this very kind of privileged spot. But right. the reality is that we can actually look down. We can now see 
the impact of that same aspect of really the attention culture that we have. Mm, right. Um, yeah. We see that impact because true. it affects leaders and it affects leaders' ability to, um, and everyone's, I mean, we've talked about this last time, but right. you know, a leader, in quote unquote, you know, every single person has the ability to choose to use their own leadership. Right. Um, so it's really about, you know, it's really about the impact on every single person uh, and their ability to influence the community around them, you know, the organization, the people, uh, you know, the folks that they, um, you know, that they have within their arm's reach. Right. Uh, maybe <laughs> or maybe just digital arm's reach and, right. uh, you know, maybe six feet uh, <laughs> reach. But, arm's reach. That phrase might go away. Yeah. <laughs> but... Um, but yeah, I, I, and that's the thing that I uh, that I really see is that that the the stakes are higher, right? Uh, and the language of it is uh, a little almost too shallow, right? Um, and too focused on like the business value, right? right? Yeah. Um, when in fact, like, there's a human aspect to it that right. certainly was a major part of that thread, yeah. Um, but there's a cost that is pretty significant when we co- when it comes to our own, um, our own as leaders speaking, not just for us, but for every single person, um, our ability to get the clarity and focus and, um, priority and, you know, determination on the things that we can see from the single vantage point that we have that is unique, um, that we're in a position to do something on and with that nobody else is, uh, you know, if that is distracted, pulled away, if we are kept in a state of um, hypervigilance and fear right. uh, and, um, you know, just constantly stuck refreshing, um, you know, the news sites and social media sites uh, in order just to find out, you know, that to keep that um, that panic need sort of, um, you know, that panic sense, uh, you know, sated with the, that, that the our security needs say right, it really right, right. um uh you know there's definitely a, a loss that that comes from from doing that right it's much more much more meaningful than uh you know than a, a business fighting with its customers over attention right absolutely and i think the only way that we can really figure out how we address that at a um at an organizational level is by starting with ourselves and really noticing what it is that, that we need. And, um, you know, it's that whole people like me and you versus like people in general, this big group of people, we have to start being very specific about, um, how we're getting those, needs met and how we're creating space, but I still don't know how we do it. I mean, just now, um, yesterday I was talking about how, man, I really just, I feel like we need to take more walks. Um, I feel like we need to take more time to just have fun. Um, because we are both, um, super, you know, when there's a crisis or something, we're like, okay, let's, let's think about this. Let's work on some stuff. And, uh, 
See what we can do to help. And see, see what, what we, we can do. So see, a lot of our time know, is who, spent who, like... Who do we know that needs help? Right. What, what can we do to help them? Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of our time is spent side by side in our little armchairs with our little lamp between us, like <laughs> <laughs> typing away and looking at each other and be like, oh, I just did this. What are you doing? Oh, will you read this? Um, and it's great. But like I, I was looking at myself in the mirror and I was like... I don't think I've been in the sun for a really long time, like already. But we went out today to take a walk. We live um, right by the river, and there's a beautiful walkway there. Which we did not use. <laughs> yeah, we didn't. We couldn't use it because we went out to the walkway, and there's just people everywhere. Like the first, before we even got to the walkway, there's like a sidewalk that leads to it. And there was a kid like riding their bike up and there's this family at the bottom looking at their kid and then looking at us and then looking at their kid, like kind of in a panic. Oh my gosh, it's another human being. (laughs) So of course we like diverted and went over to the other side and then there's more people over there. And then we (laughs) turned around (laughs) and we had to just take this like kind of ugly sidewalk that nobody was using. Yeah, no, that moment really felt like, have you have you ever seen, actually, I don't think you've seen this. Uh, have you ever seen the Batman movie, like the the Adam West version of Batman? I don't think so. Oh my gosh. So we have to, we absolutely have to watch this. We have to, we have to watch this with the kids. I love this movie. So, I mean, I, you've gotten the experience of 19, the late 1960s Batman, which is fantastic. Yeah, I can't, love that. I just love it so much. Anyway, so there is this scene where um, Batman, uh, there is a bomb that someone has planted and it's in like this big group of people yeah. and Batman gets it and it's like the, it's the cartoon bomb, right? It's a, <laughs> It looks like a giant bo- black bowling ball with a cartoon fuse on top that's lit and it's smoking, right? Yeah. And so Batman is running around carrying this thing over his head and he's, he runs one way and then there's like a marching band in that direction and he turns around and runs the other way and there's like a group of nuns that are walking down this path and he turns around and runs this other way and uh, he, he goes and thinks this is like an abandoned warehouse or something but no it turns out that it's like a giant saloon that's full of all these people and he's like ah and he's just looking everywhere that he possibly can and then he runs up to the river and then he looks down in the river and there's like a duck and like five little baby ducklings and he's like turns around and then he's like ah someday you just can't get rid of a bomb Oh my gosh. And that's totally totally like that moment. Like when we're just like, oh, can't go that way. Oh, can't go that way. Oh, can't go that way. It's like, ah, people. Ah. Yeah. It was so wild. And then that poor old man was coughing like so loudly. That was, yeah, because where we we walked, there's like a sidewalk and then there's a huge amount of grass that separates the, between the sidewalk and then the path that's right next to the river. So we were on the sidewalk on the street. We were far away. And so we were a ways away probably like I don't know like 40 feet or something yeah. that sidewalk is away from the walk that's by the river that was super popular there's we didn't even see anybody on the sidewalk that we were on no. which runs right next to the street it's not anywhere near of a, as nice of a walk as walking next to the river but yeah we were walking and saw that mm. poor poor old guy that was walking down the street or walking down that path and just hear him coughing repeatedly and it's oh, like, oh. yeah so hard yeah. So anyway, we still have a lot of work to do on our own ability to get that spaciousness. Do you have ideas? Well, so, yeah. So I wanted to talk about that, like, yeah. from a practical sense. Like, yeah. um, you know, I mean, one of the things that I feel like we really need is 
Um, you know, we've talked about this before of having there be a time and place where we truly and totally disconnect, disconnect right? Yeah. Um, we were and, talking about it being like the first floor of our house or, or something that we don't have yeah. any technology on that floor. But that was when we were moving in here and we were going to make the upstairs our, we we're going to put our office upstairs and, yeah. and, and work area. And now like we mainly work mainly downstairs. So, downstairs. It um, didn't work out. It didn't work out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but the, uh, um, there's definitely, you know, I think like time and, uh, Rhythm that so you know, I was thinking, like, you know, we should have some specific times where we just like create some edges, mm. um, in our you know, in our time where we were like, all right, we're gonna take a walk at this time, yeah, um, and then after we do that, we're gonna set all of our um, you know, all of our connection aside. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that I've felt very we talked about this before is uh, one of the things I've like felt and started to get clarity on is that when I set aside those things, it is the space where I start to get clarity on my own intentions and the things that are my own priorities. And that, but that doesn't mean that I'm not doing them for others still. Right. So like last Friday, which seems like seven years ago, uh, the group of folks that are kind of in that, um, uh, the, the, group of folks that are working on the flatten the curve, um, uh, efforts, uh, locally, um, you know, I just signed entirely out of that chat for the weekend really. Um, and just said, you know, I'm not gonna do anything in this for a couple of days. Cause I was getting to the point of total burnout from having been on there from 6am till midnight, basically every single day. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and at that Time, it was funny because, you know, I did that, I set that aside, I basically removed every single kind of communication app from my phone um, and then, you know, spent some time and it was like a few hours later, I was like, oh, I really want to do something for, um, you know, connecting and activating some folks trying to support the businesses that I know and I, you know, I want to reach out to those folks and Um, you know, so it's still, you know, those priorities still emerged and I still ended up doing some things in that direction. Um, but it wasn't, you know, I wasn't being bombarded by and, and kind of on this interrupt driven, um, mode. So I think like at a minimum, you know, taking the time to step back, uh, yeah, well, I think it's going to take some iteration. Like, I think we also need to be really compassionate with ourselves because we are getting legit needs met right. by doing that stuff. Right. And it's going to be harder than just being like, I'm just going to be really strict with mm-hmm. myself and just delete all these apps and maybe use the freedom app so that it won't let me on them or right. whatever. It's like just being gentle and, and trying to have some self-awareness around, Oh, well I'm behaving this way. What does that mean? Well, and I, I definitely agree with that. And I appreciate, especially because this has been something that's been really hard for me over the last couple of weeks. Like you've been, uh, you know, you've been really kind to me in like not making me feel bad for any of that, even though I know that, you know, it's kind of like I've got at different points just been abducted into a whole other world. <laughs> um, 
Well, because I struggle with it too, you know, and it's like, I, yeah, I think it's really, really hard. It's like, I, I want to be doing this, but somehow I got pulled into this other thing. Like, how did that even happen? Yeah. And so, I mean, one of the things that I'm trying to think of is like, how can I really usefully create edges and points of friction? Yeah. Um, and you know, make it to where it's like, maybe, uh, you know, maybe there is a specific spot that I can go to or a specific device or specific. Yeah, exactly. So like maybe there's a, maybe there's, um, you know, a single computer Mm -hmm. that's upstairs that is where I'm thinking like my laptop because I generally use it in one place and usually use your iPad for most other things that you do. So yeah, I mean, I've been thinking about that and I like that. Um, and where it's like I'm making a choice to physically go upstairs right in order to do this right mm-hmm. so we do kind of keep like the ground you know ground floor of the house for us yeah um, and we're also it kind of reminds us of the space that we're in right who's right. whose space are we in are we in this right. space that's um, we're being helpful over here. We're yeah. trying to figure out how to be a contribution. And I think physical space makes such a difference because you act differently depending on your surroundings and your environment and your brain kind of clicks into that mode. And it might take a while for you to set up those things that sort of give you that Pavlovian response of like, yeah. this is home. This is time that I'm like safe and I'm able to focus on my my own intentions and um and the people around me and this is where i am being a contribution to others and i think both of those are good things it's not like one is right. bad right um like being connected is bad it's like it's just a different type of thing and i think creating that you know i i've been taking that um Randy Buckley's Healthy Boundaries for Kind People class. And I just love how she talks about boundaries being um, uh, a gate around your garden, not to keep other things out necessarily, even though it does serve that purpose, but that's not what it's for. It's to keep the good things in. And so you get to be really intentional about what goes in your garden and what you're going to water there, what you're going to prune and um yeah and that there's there can be flexibility there but um that you've you've thought about it and you're not reacting to the needs of other people or even just the defaults that our brains just go to but you're you're deciding and making the space for yourself to be successful in the things that you want to do um successful meaning like you're actually doing what you want rather than, right. you know, being pulled into building. Well, I think directions. those, like, uh, you know, you were talking about kind of those physical cues. It made me think also about, um, uh, I know people, you know, we don't, we know a lot of folks who work from home yeah. already just as oh, default, sure. right? I mean, that's one yeah. of the things that's, that we feel deeply privileged by in this in that there is no adjustment whatsoever from us for us from a working perspective we already or for our team we we already work online and we do we 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 do that by preference um, and have for a long time um but uh i know people who have different rituals they use in 
working from home where, you know, I know people who, uh, when they go to work, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. uh, at home, they put on their shoes and they take off their shoes. Oh yeah. Like Mr. Rogers. Yeah. Um, (laughs) yeah. Like, well, he changes his shoes. Right, right? He right. changes he from his, his yeah. like his outdoor jacket. shoes yeah. to his house slippers and yeah, um, uh, or house tennis shoes. And uh, you know, I think like those kinds of cues for anyone who's not necessarily able to create a separate space. Yeah, there are a lot of ways to create those physical cues, or like yeah. even to like tape off an area and just say yeah. like this. You know, when I'm in this spot, like that's what I'm doing. Yeah, or set a specific chair or spot or something but like yeah. I know that I I need I need those I need those physical cues I need edges and moments like okay we set a time that we're gonna go for a walk right like right. both of us this morning we said oh that's what we're gonna do and you know we still had some things that we needed to do before that right that were right. other priorities and things but we still did it right yeah and we, we did it. um uh and it really helped us kind of get in a place for you know, for the whole day. So, mm-hmm. and that's why we're having this conversation because we took the time to do that. Otherwise we might've just still been right sort in of this responding frantic, to the things. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, those are, I don't know. That's, I think the most of what I was thinking, is there anything else that yeah. you're thinking about? Mm, well, I think just basic, like things that are nourishing, uh, I, I think doing those things and really deciding what those things are ahead of time can really help because sometimes when you're in the middle of something, you don't feel like switching gears as much as you know, it would be good for you. So having that decision for me, um, eating really good food is super important and I really enjoy making it. Um, so that's one thing. Another thing I'm thinking about is using outside space as much as I can because of Especially the, now the weather's good. The weather's better and um, just, you know, taking my my chair outside and sitting um, there while I'm reading or, or doing other things. Um, but I think like saying we're and and I think you mentioned this earlier um, as just like this, this is the time that we're going to do this. Mm -hmm. I think just being really specific about what those things are for you and what is really nourishing for you so that when you reenter back into the other space of contribution, that you have something to give, Mm -hmm. um, that is fresh and that, um, because you're, you're feeling really good and you have an energy that's like uh, overflowing rather than, um, an energy that's like, okay, pushing through what's the next news article <laughs> that we need to respond to what's the next need um because it matters so much well the um uh one thing that i was just thinking about when you were talking about the um you know kind of pre-deciding and planning some of those things one of the things that we most definitely know is that um, our capacity to make decisions, especially as the day goes on, oh, man. like we only, we can only make so many decisions. And right. so that's why, um, you know, we get to the end of the day and mm-hmm. we just kind of choose the 
easiest path, which a lot of times may be controlled by the inertia of what other people want and expect from us. Right. And um, so there's real value, I think, in exactly what you're saying and taking that time to plan that out in advance. I mean, that's one of the things that I can tell right now that I am way out of whack is that I was doing a really good job of planning out my week that I knew what I was going to be doing. Oh yeah, um, me too. That I had a detailed process for doing that that was really working great for me. And it's like, and I was using the, you know, the same, you got me... Uh, onto the bullet journal method and that's been fantastic for me yeah and i was like uh i've gone uh like i've actually engaged with my notebook um probably four times in the last two weeks and every time i look back at that spot where i've engaged with it it's like it's like i'm i left off in the middle of sentence like i couldn't even complete the thought that i was already doing and I never made any plans yeah. to do anything. Well, my plans, I just repeated them because I, pl- I do a weekly planning and I did it. I still did it, but I was just migrating everything from the previous week to the next week. I'd hardly made progress on those things because I was reacting, of course. And right. I think like some of that is just okay, but it's like not where I want to be. Well, and I started thinking about one other thing in the middle of what you were saying about the, um, uh, about the need to like uh, be engaged in the things that we're doing to contribute and to create, uh, you know, having come from the place of really restoring ourselves so we have something to contribute. And I I heard someone once talk about how in the the, uh, Judeo-Christian creation story Mm. that we sort of have this picture that in that you know in that in the creation myth that that takes place there there's sort of this like okay on the seventh day god rested but the thing that the thing i heard said once that has always stuck with me is that for everything up to the point of the first day of creation uh what was what was god doing on the seventh day he was returning to rest right he was resting before you know he they she was resting before Uh, the entire creation. Well, no, I would think about that because uh, I'm definitely not like a yoga expert, but um, I, I use the down dog app. I love it. And, um, but I, I got this other thing. Like if you ever do anything yoga related and you're on Instagram, suddenly all these yoga classes pop up (laughs) and all of these, people want to teach you yoga. But anyway, I was sucked into one of them and I bought it and, and it was like, it's crazy because not crazy. It's wild because I, um, I have no desire to do like handstands or, um, any like, really amazing yoga feats but that is what I bought (laughs) I bought this thing to do these things anyway um but she talked about shavasana which is like the final pose which is supposedly like the hardest yoga pose and it's the hardest yoga pose is just laying on the floor just laying there but the thing that um and I, I think what's hard about it is just like actually releasing all the muscles in your body letting yourself just lay in one place and not do anything. I mean, so many times, like I'm just going, okay, when is this 
over because I know I'm done. We're done with all the moves. <laughs> um, but she said that Shavasana is when um, everything that you have done during your thing is starting to integrate into your body. Your body is actually learning during that time. And I don't know how true that is scientifically, but I think it is a really valuable concept from um, just a growth perspective that if we don't take the time to rest, to just lay there, then all the things that we're doing, our, our body doesn't integrate them. And I mean, scientifically, that is actually true about our bodies and how they function when we sleep, um, kind of restoring ourselves and um, kind of learning new <laughs> things in our sleep. But um, yeah, I think you're right about that. We need, we need time to stop and let those things well, I think you're right about us. it. You were you were saying that first, so I was building um, off of what you said. So you're the you're the right one. I'm the right one. Yeah. Oh wow, that's so nice. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's about it for. Yeah. Cool. This is great talking to you. Yeah. I feel like yeah. We should, we should shake hands. hands. Oh, are we allowed you're to shake? In my oh, we, yeah. We are allowed to shake hands. Yeah. I guess because we're in. Yeah. It's very funny. I don't, I, it's been a while since I shook your hand. I know. I guess we should do Let's that again. Let's do it again. All right. <laughs> Bye. Bye. All right. Have a great day. You too. All right. See ya. See Bye. Ya.